The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Thursday's Jumpstart webinar. Today, I'm back with Kelly Wells, the owner of Credit Restoration of Washington, another one of SCORE's expert processors, Victoria Mendez. Welcome back, Kelly. How are you? Good. That's good. And Victoria, now it's great to have you here on this webinar with us so you can give us your expertise on some of the topics that we're going to be going over today. All right, thank you for having me. Now, on our last, our last webinar, Jomaida and I were able to sit down with Kelly for our first live webinar, which was great to have Kelly here with us in Puerto Rico. Now Kelly's back at her office, and, you know, she's not here with us now. <laughs> But we have her here on the and call. And boy, I wish I were there. <laughs> uh, so how was that flight, Kelly? The flight was very long, um, but we made it home safe and sound, and now we're just dealing with the rain and the 50-degree weather outside. Ooh, today is 85 here. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it must be hard adjusting to the time change, is it? Yeah, it is because, you know, four hours difference is, is quite a difference. So, you know, when I eat lunch, it's almost have, would have been dinner time in Puerto Rico. So I've just had one meal and I would have had two already. Yeah, that's, I already had two. <laughs> yeah. Now, on last week's, um, last week's webinar, we went over the news that we had a new supervisor at SCORE. We also discussed the article from the Washington Times and um, what was new on my FICO of the three um, credit scores for the all three credit bureaus. As promised today, we're going to be going over my FICO and doing some comparisons on the credit report. I'm giving you guys the insight um, on how our processing staff look and analyze each account. And that's why we have um, Victoria here today, so she's going to be giving us that complete insight on the ins and outs and what the processors do on when they look at the account at, at that sorry on the account and um, Kelly's going to give us what they do at their end so let's go over um, my FICO you want to um, go over that Kelly yeah let's go ahead and start um, so if you want to go to the next screen Ariana so what we're going to come up with is th this is the screenshots that show you last week when we talked about the client that I had that we had all three credit scores from all three bureaus or lenders. We had a lender, a MyIQ report, and a MyFICO. And so this kind of gives it to you all in one space to see what when we're looking at MyIQ report, what it is we're looking at and how it compares in this particular instance to a lender credit report. Um, in this case, you know, I would have, when I looked at my IQ, I would have told the, the client, yep, you're ready. Go ahead and go, go check it out with a lender and see what it says. And then we see above that where the MyFICO shows that's their credit monitoring report. That is not the uh, report. That's not FICO scores. Those are monitoring scores. And then if you look down at the bottom, there's the lender. And yes, this client has a 664 score. So they're definitely good to go for the refinance that they're going in for. So if you want to go ahead to the next slide, and this shows us right now um, my FICO is offering 13 different credit reports, and these are industry option scores, and they're being offered 
through Equifax and Experian. TransUnion hasn't jumped in yet and added their scores, but I, from the research I've done, I've been told that they will be adding their scores in. But you can also tell by looking at this that there's quite a few credit scores right here. However, there are tons of credit scoring models out there. So, you know, it's very confusing to a client or a customer when they're looking at this. And it just really drills in the fact that it depends on what your lender sees. It depends on what kind of credit report they're pulling to know where you're at. And there are a wide range of scores across the board. But I think one of the cool things about this and something that we need to remember as credit repair um, owners is this is a personal pull. It is not going to hit them as a hard pull. And so it's, it's something that they need to take advantage of. And the other thing that also, you know, without having that TransUnion score, we don't have all three. However, a lot of credit cards are giving these, um, giving you scores on your credit, on your um, credit card statement. So if you know that your credit card statement has a TransUnion score on it, you could take a look at that and then compare it to the other two. But it's not going to be the the mortgage industry specific score. So that's just something to, to keep in mind. And the other thing is each one of these credit scores, and, and we didn't put it on the slides for today's seminar, but each one of these scores have, um, they have reason codes as to why, what the score, why the score is where it is, the factors that brought them in, like too many late payments or the history isn't long enough. So this MyFICO credit report really gives you a lot of information. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. So this is, we just kind of put these slides in here to show you guys and to, to give you the comparison side by side of what each of the three credit reports look like and how they all have a lot of the same, I mean, they all have the same information. However, they're all presented just a little bit differently. And so this happens to be a jewelry um, store. I know because I know the name of the, of the um, trade line. But this is, this is a jewelry store, and it shows that this person has a $6,000 credit limit, $4,400 on it. It's, it's got two months' worth of history and what the payment is. This is a good trade line. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and so if I were doing the interview with my client, you know, we would just kind of talk about it and, and go on. The one bit of information I would give my client is I would, I would suggest that they get this paid down. It's kind of high. $6,000 limit with $4,500 on it. It, it. The utilization on it is a little bit high. Yeah. And then we can go to the next slide. And if either one of you guys see anything when I'm going off onto my little tangent, jump in and, and you know, if you see something that I'm missing on the trade line. Um, this, and this is a, a mortgage trade line. And across the top, you know, and, and I don't know if it's really evident to you guys, but where it says lender trade line, that is all the way across the top, the top like a header. And then the MyIQ report is to the left, and the MyFICO is underneath it to the right. But again, there's nothing wrong with this particular trade line. It, it's a good trade line. It tells us that the house payment is um, 
you know, it's $1,983 a month. It's been reporting for three months. It's a mortgage, um, no late payments, and that's about all. So, Kelly, what, what advice do you give your customers, even though you analyze these, even though when you just go briefly through them, do you mm -hmm. give them, um, like, advice on what they should continue doing or what they, or what they should do or Definitely. don't with these accounts? Oh, right. So, like, on that last trade line that we talked about on that, that jewelry account line, as I'm going through and as I'm asking questions and, and looking at things, I would then, you know, I would tell them, you know, as you can, work on getting this paid down. This, this trade line, this revolving account is too high. You, it needs to be at least below 30%. You know, it's not harming you right now because you're making the payments on time and, and you know, you're not over 70%, but you are, it, it, it's up there. It's close. At least it, I don't think it's over 70%. I didn't actually do the calculation. You can go ahead and go to the next one. And again, here's another trade line. Now, this is a closed account. Um, and this, you know, nothing, nothing bad about having a closed account. I just always take a look at it when I'm doing the interview to see is there any late payments. How does it look? Um, do you see anything on there, Victoria, that you would comment on if you were? I, to me, it looks like it's a good, it's an okay account that we don't need to do anything. Yeah, I don't see anything negative on there. Okay. Um, not in, in the comments or anything. So. Right. So okay. Go ahead to the next slide. So now what I kind of I wanted to do with you guys is this is a spreadsheet that we do in our office and we don't have the credit report um, that we didn't scan in the credit report and really so that you guys could see it on your end but I'm just going to kind of go through if this is a new client that is coming into my office that I'm going to work with um, and when they call in for an appointment we have them send over a copy of the credit report we then do some spreadsheets. And in this case, the only spreadsheet we did for this client is collections because the other spreadsheet that I do is a, a spreadsheet on the utilization of open credit cards or credit cards. And, and this particular client didn't have any credit cards, but they do have collections. So a conversation I'm going to have with this client when I'm working on their, doing their um, consultation is, if you look at this spreadsheet, they have $51,000, almost $52,000 in collections. And I'm going to ask them as we go through the line items, do you, are those still open? Are those still owed? Do you still owe the money on it? And if so, you know, are you able to pay it? Are you able for us to go in and negotiate it? Let's say we can get 50% um, and get it down to 25000 Is that something you're able to do? And some clients will say, yeah, I've, I've saved up the money. I'm ready to do it. And some clients are like, you know what, I'm not going to pay it. I, I don't. There's no way I'm not. And so then we'll even discuss, well, maybe, maybe bankruptcy is an option that you should maybe take a look at. You know, are you going to be better off? Or is bankruptcy not something that you're at all comfortable with? Because there are clients out there that are not comfortable with either. I mean, not comfortable filing bankruptcy no matter what. So then... We, we just work through, and one of the policies we have in our office is we want these collections paid. 
we want them to report a zero balance somehow. Um, you know, and I don't care if if on that seven thousand dollar collection that the um, asset acceptance agrees to take a thousand dollars, as long as it reports a zero balance and that it has been paid for less than the original amount, that's okay. We just want to paid before we go in and dispute it. Now, not every credit repair company has those, you know, some credit repair people do go ahead and dispute even though there are balances. I just make sure that, um, that my clients know if you do dispute it and it, you owe money and it comes back, it's not the case that we can guarantee it's going to stay gone. We're not going to guarantee anything anyway. However, the, the possibility of it coming back is much greater when you owe money on, on a collection. Um, and the other thing that, that you need to make sure of when you're working and doing these collections and, and sending your credit reports to SCORE is if you have a collection on a credit report that you absolutely don't want Victoria or somebody at SCORE working on, you need to make sure that you notate that on the credit report in the file that they know to not touch it and to leave it alone. Yeah, that's correct, because if not, we're going to dispute it, because for us, collections are, you know, a negative item, and we usually dispute that. <clears throat> right, right. So go ahead, um, Ariana, and go to the next slide. So if I were doing the interview with my client, um, and I'm going to have Jasmine be my client on this particular interview, and I would pull the, I would have them looking at the credit report, whether they're sitting in my office or we are doing a consultation over the phone, they would have their credit report in front of them. I would ask them, you know, on this American Express account, I see that it is a charge-off, um, that the account's been closed. It shows a balance of $15,000. Is this something that you still owe, or have you done any, have you taken care of it in some way? Um, I've made a couple of payments, but um, I, I do understand I owe some money, but I don't think that amount that's stating there in the balance is correct. I think that's wrong. In the past due, I don't okay. think I owe that much. Okay. Great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make notes on the, on the file itself, and I'm going to write on there that, that they do agree the account is, they have had an American Express account, but it doesn't seem accurate to them. That way, when we send it again, when we send it over to SCORE, the processor knows, let's go ahead and dispute this, and the amount is inaccurate. And they're also going to look for other places on the credit report that it's not reporting accurately. Not right. Go ahead and, is there, do you have any comment to that, Victoria? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, we usually look at everything on the, on the account, anything that's missing, um, like here for an example. Not in every single bureau's the high credit is showing. Um, the payment the payment status is negative. We also look at the 24 month payment history. Um, usually it says there like no data for an example there, but it says CO, which is co um, collection or charge off. So we we definitely gonna um, dispute that. Okay. Um, but next slide, please. 
And here again is another collection, and we're going to do the same thing with that collection and, and go through and, and make our notes on it. Um, go ahead to the next slide. And it's amazing when you're doing this how often you come across something that a client has paid that should show a zero balance, but now it is, it, it's still showing the amount owed. And this one happens to be um, a trade line that is showing a zero balance, however there are late payments on it. And late payments are something that we can dispute and we, we do try to get them removed if there is an inaccuracy. However, it's very, very difficult um, to, to get an inac a late payment removed on a credit report. Is it, do you see when you're looking at this one, Victoria? Is it looking what would what would jump out at you that that you're going to dispute on it? Definitely the the 24 month payment history. It has it has, it has a lot of um, late payments and <clears throat> like you said, um, we usually and at Score we we dispute like mostly the recent late payments and. We we look at the 24-month payment history, and anything that is like two years and past that, um, it has to be like three, 30 days late or 60 days late. It has to be like three or more. <clears throat> right. Then we would dispute so that account. So on this particular one, the account, these late payments are all older, so it's probably really not Second. affecting the, the consumer's credit report that much. Um, and there's not three late payments. There are multiple 30-day lates. So do you look at, are they 30-day lates in a row, or the fact that there's just 30-day lates all over? Yeah. Um, Did that make yeah. sense? It has, like for this, for an example, um, in this in this account, the 24-month payment history, they're, they're old late payments, but since there are more than 30 and, and like 30 and 60 days late, since there, there's, there's more than three, we're going to dispute it because it's affecting the, the, the customer's right. um, credit. And okay. you can notice a trend as well. It's a constant, um, constant late payments one after another and then there's a pause and there's payments done correctly and then there's another, there's another history of multiple lates and then another paid correctly. So when there's multiple, even though they're old, we'll dispute them because if a mortgage lender or anyone looks at this, they're going to see a trend mm -hmm. of, of multiple late payments, and that doesn't look good either. Right, and as a lender, I know when I was doing mortgages, that was something that we really looked at was trends and, and what kind of, you know, is this a habitual type thing? Was it a one-time you know, I was in the hospital, my paycheck was, you know, I didn't get the regular paycheck or whatever the excuse may be, you can understand it happens once. But what happens when it happens over and over and over again? Are they going to really pay you when, you know, when, you, when you're when you the um, underwriter looking at that? You know, that's a decision you make on, on when you see these trends. So you want to see if you can get it corrected in some way. Um, go ahead to the next slide. And again, this this again is another um, 
actually this is a real estate that um, it looks like to me, which was a loan for $55,000. Um, and it's a closed loan now, but again, it has, it looks to me like maybe it started its way into foreclosure, but maybe didn't actually go there because I see, I don't see the notation foreclosure process started. I'm going to ask my client about it, find out have they lost, you know, did they lose the property or the house into foreclosure, or was it taken back, you know, did they get this far into it, but they were able, able to rectify the situation. Um, you know, and you have to walk very carefully when and walk on ice when you're working with a client in foreclosures as to not promise them that you're going to remove a foreclosure from a credit report if it did happen because the public records are still going to be there and the public records are going to show that they had a foreclosure. So when they go to get another loan, even if you get it removed from the credit report and they have a little bit of better of a credit score because of it, um, the public records are going to you know, be the tattletale and, and show it. So, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so let's go ahead to the next slide. So this um, is, is showing the um, inquiries made on a credit report. And from my perspective, when I'm working and doing the interview with a client, I may take a look at the inquiries and ask, you know, about it. But it really is not something that, and I let the client know that an inquiry isn't going to um, change their credit score necessarily a ton because we've gotten them removed. They only affect the score for 12 months. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's going to stay on there for 24, but for 12 months it, it's, it's what it's going to affect the score for. So, yes, we can dispute. They're not easily removed, um, but it can be, it can be worked on, I guess, is what I usually tell them, but not to, it's amazing when you talk to clients how often they feel like the inquiry is what's keeping them from getting a, a loan. You know, I went to buy a car and they pulled my credit 25 times and I know that's why I'm not getting a loan. And it really isn't. Um, but the consumer's perception is that's the problem. Yeah. So when you see this, what are your guys' guidelines around disputing inquiries? Well, for the increase, we usually, well, what I do is that I look at the date of the credit report first. <clears throat> and then I see the most recent increase, I I count back three months and that's what I dispute because that's what, you know, is affecting the, the consumer's credit. Yeah, we, I hear at SCORE, what we do is we dispute the last three months of inquiries. Since, um, like you mentioned, Kelly, they're, they're not do, they don't affect that much and if they do get removed, it's very low, the percentage of, you know, that that's their score is going to increase. And we mainly focus on just the new ones coming in month by month. And we just don't dispute um, the previous inquiries. Anything past three months, we, we don't dispute unless, you know, it's something that you're requesting. If it's something you're requesting because right. it's something your customer wants, then that we have no problem doing that. We'll dispute all of them. But if there's no, no request, we just focus on the last three months. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if you remember or if you would have even seen this credit report, but it was probably January, almost 
a little over a year ago, sometime around in there, I had a client that, that we were working on, and we were getting some really good results. His scores were getting up there. Well, he decided that he wanted to go, his wife wanted an Escalade, and so they went car shopping. And, and like I said, you know, it, it, you can go car shopping and they group them into one. However, this client had like 154 inquiries. Oh, wow. Um, in like a two-month period of time. And I'll have, to, I'll have to pull it out sometime and, and show you guys, but Jas my Jasmine in my office and I, we about had a heart attack because here you're working really hard to help a client to get them to get their credit scores up, and you would think after you had been declined for an auto loan, I don't know, maybe five times, do you think you would continue? And I know that, that you go to a dealer and they broadcast it out there and they, and they do multiple polls at one dealership, but I can't imagine them doing over 150 inquiries. And his score did drop. I mean, that type of a thing, his score dropped. Um, but anyway, I just so thought what, that what was really you, interesting. What did you do, Kelly? Did you sit down with him and explain to him, you know, what? Well, yeah, what, it was... It was really easy because he had been on credit monitoring and we had been getting results. And so we were able to take the credit report that we had in his file from before he started with all these inquiries and show him, you know, not only the – and he did – and really, really interesting, um, he ended up with a new car after he oh. got – but it was because he went to a car dealership that – and I can't remember the exact story, but he went to a car dealership that a friend's dad owned or something, and they, they were able to pull at the bank. And, and his wife got the Escalade that she wanted. I can't imagine what the payments are on it. But because I'll guarantee you he didn't get a 3% interest rate. Um, <laughs> oh, I doubt it. But anyway, I, I remember I even um, emailed John Alzheimer, and I said, can, can you believe this? Do you see, you know? How, how somebody with a score like this got, and John said, well, it was probably because they did have the, they pulled in the favor. You know, every bank, every place has favors that they can pull in. But yeah. anyway. All right, yeah. next slide. And the thing is, a lot of, a lot of um, at least in my case, a lot of, this, a lot of CROs um, come to me and say, hey, my customer score dropped this month. Um, why did they drop so drastically, or maybe 20 points or 10 points, or however many points they may be? And um, when I look at the, re I have to go in and analyze, you know, a report from last month into this month to see and compare between each and every line item, it being positive or negative, to see w what happened or what could have happened. And and in some cases, you know, um, it's it's not the dispute process; it's the customer. Um, they don't. They either go in and you know go on their Victoria's Secret card and buy five hundred dollars of lingerie, or you know go and <laughs> and go to Pet Boys and you know have to buy four new tires and you know max out um, their credit cards. And then when I you know sometimes they sometimes they're upset. Their customer I understand their customers go to them upset, but the the main thing is we would have to you know analyze these reports and see that sometimes it's not the dispute, sometimes it's just what's behind something else, which is the customer. Um, well, and you say sometimes it's not the disputes. I would, I don't know, and this is kind of going to be a question towards you, 
I would say 90% of the time it's not the disputes, that it's only the, the disputing process a small percentage, but it almost always is the fact that their credit card utilization has gone up or there's a new late payment or something other than what we're doing on, on the end of the credit repair. Would you yeah. agree with me? Yes, I do. Yeah. And and sometimes it is the switch between credit monitorings. I had a case not too long ago, a CRO um questioned me why there was a decrease in score, but they came the first initial report that we used to work on the case was from a mortgage lender. And then the new the new report, the second round report that we had was a credit monitoring report. So from the beginning I told them that's our first big thing. We're comparing right. two different things, you know, that's FICO and this is a Vantage monitoring score. Right. So you're going to notice. apples and oranges. Exactly. Right. So at that point, you know, and we're going to know there's a big difference. Either being a little or maybe, you know, 10, 15 well, to 20. Well, a difference can go more. either direction. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole case. It could, you know, some can be up, some some could be more than what is said on the lender's report. Like it could be less. It it can be, you know, either or, across the board. Right, right. So, um, Victoria, is there anything that we didn't catch when with when you're monitoring a credit report? You want to kind of go through with us. If I were to send you a brand new credit report, what's the first things that you do? Well, I analyze it from the beginning to the end. That is the demographic data, the names, date of birth, any um, current ad addresses, that everything has to be correct. And what after that, you know, after the demographic data, I go into the accounts, the collections, if, you know, um, I check the inquiries, the public records, if there's any bankruptcies, judgment, and when I go into the payment history, um, I see if anything is like recent or how many payments they made late. So that's what we basically do. And again, um, we really want to emphasize the fact that you know, the processors have training on and they have guidelines that they go by when they're working on doing the disputing and working on it. So if it's a credit report you're sending to SCORE to work on, you want to make sure if there's anything at all that you, that you want their attention, brought to their attention, that you put it in the notes, you write it on the credit report, you do, you know, you may call and ask Jasmine, how do you want me to um, let you know what it is that I that you don't want touched. And because you know what? I know when I'm go ahead. You know what, Kelly? I I get a lot of credit reports. I analyze a lot of credit reports a day. And you're like the most one that, that puts like a whole bunch of notes on the credit reports. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but not that. not every not every CRO does that. But it's pretty good yeah. because it explains, you know, much about the credit report, where it's affecting um, and it's good for, you know, for your clients and for me. <laughs> well, and it's because I'm, I'm talking to them, you know, I'm the one that is sitting down and doing the interview, um, you know, and if I'm going to hand that credit report off, they don't have the information that's in my head that they told me while we're, we were doing the interview, so I just always, I have a pencil and a, and a pen and I'm taking notes as we're, as we're talking about everything, whether it's, you know, I'll write on the credit report, 
the ex-wife, you know, didn't pay the bill, they got a divorce, and they, you know, go into all of that, which in turn makes me tell them another story, that just because they got a divorce and the judge said the ex-wife was supposed to pay it, if they didn't, it's going to hit their credit. But I, I do write a lot of stuff on the credit reports, which probably, I probably put a little bit too much information, but um, I just want my client to feel to feel secure in the fact that when they're talking to me and telling me stuff, I'm making notes of it, and we're going to do the best job we can to to take care of them, and you know that we know what we're doing. Yeah, and, and then if I, I pass it off to to score. Yeah, and if I see anything, I also you know leave notes back if, especially if I see um, if the client does a lot of inquiries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's I have seen that also. Yeah. Um, with the notes in the system, which is nice to know what you guys are seeing, because sometimes um, you guys catch things, you know, we look at, you know, we're busy talking to brand new clients and trying to bring new clients in the door, and sometimes we don't analyze the credit report when it's an update, as well as what you do when you're doing the updates. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I always like to nice tell... Now these are me on my end. Um, I don't process any more that much. Maybe once every month or something. Um, but I, w I do talk to our customers a lot, and I, you know, I always tell them as much detail as you can give us, the better. Leave as much notes right. as you need be as detailed as possible, and everything that you can think of that can help us attach it. If it's a document, if it's just a note that that's being specific, just let us know because that's going to help us know exactly what tactics and which way we should look at the line item and how we should and and, and helps our processors decide what the speed instructions to create based on the information that you're giving us as well. Yeah. And what do you guys do? Is there is there any specific amount of time? You know, let's say I I would say probably most of the CROs out there only work on their clients for six months. But let's say we've got somebody that for some reason is, is dragging on and we're working on their case a lot longer. Is, is there a, a length of time where we want to send in new um, proof of address or new um, updated information like that? Yep. Yes, I, I, I usually, when CROs ask me this question, I usually have them, um, I always recommend to after three to four months to to switch out the documents, at least the proof of residence. That's a document that has a, a, a date, it has a timestamp on it. Um, so if we can get something new and refresh to avoid a frivolous response, because in any part of the dispute process, either being round one, round two, or six, you can always get a frivolous response. So it's right. always good to maintain, you know, good, clear documents, and our processors always leave notes if the documents are are not visible or, if, you know, you can't see the face, or if it's even if it's not in PDF. Um, we just want to have the best documents that you can provide to us. And um, our processors are always leaving notes. Um, I know sometimes maybe our CRO may get a little bit <laughs> tired of seeing the notes that we leave, but the only reason we do it is so we can... Um, give the best service and try to avoid any type of frivolous responses. Now what about driver's license? If you're using um, a driver's license and it has an accurate address on it, do you still, is it still a good idea to send the proof of residence or is that one document enough? 
it, the, the one document is enough, but I always recommend to put both just because the credit bureau sometimes requests one, one or more documentation for proof. Um, so in this case, you, you know, um, the, the idea of the driver's license will be backed up by the proof or the proof will be backed up by the driver's license and the social will be backed up by the ID. So each document can back up each another. So if, if you can provide it, that would be even better. Um, some CROs do, some CROs don't. But I always try to recommend to always have all of them. Okay. So um, at this point, do you want to see if anybody has questions that we want to open it up for, for questions? Or is there other things we want to talk about? I think we can open up the floor to, to some questions. Yeah. So if yeah. somebody has questions and you want to raise your hand, um, and we can unmute you and you can ask the question. Um, if there is anything out there, let's see. And I, th I just, I think next week when we're going to do the call, um, I'm not 100% positive, but I think the call next week that we're going to go on and talk about is go in a little bit more detail with doing um, removing item and dispute responses because that does seem to be something that, um, you know, is very important in today's mortgage world. And a lot, mm -hmm. of, a lot of the CROs don't really know the quickest and best way to do it. So we thought it would be a good call to go over and, and really show how easily it can be done, that it doesn't have to be a, a, a long and drawn out process. It can be done um, within just a matter of a couple of days getting it off of there. Yeah, I think that would be a good topic. It's something that I get, the, the question I, I get it a lot. And it's mostly the CROs that are in, um, that they have their affiliates, their affiliates are mortgage industry. Um, so that's a, a really good topic that we're going to go over next week. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to enjoy that topic. Yeah. Right, I agree. And, it, and it's not a difficult thing to do as long as you know the process and can do the process you know, do it. There, there are steps to it, and it has to be done. And um, the information that you have to have. However, it's not difficult. Um, do we have any questions? Yes, we have a question from Debbie. So I'm going to have Ariana mute her, and she can be able to ask a question. So Ariana, whenever you can, if you can unmute Debbie for us. Just give us one quick there? moment. <laughs> Let it, uh, let's see. Just be patient here with me and Ariana. <laughs> I need to think of something that I can talk to you guys about while we're just sitting here. Maybe um, Okay. Okay. Hi, Debbie. Maybe not. Hmm. Let's go to Scott then. Okay. Scott, can you hear us? I wonder why we're not being able to hear. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm on you. Okay. You guys hear me? Yeah, yeah I, I can, can hear, hear you. you. Okay. Great. Um, I've been getting some responses from Experian um, it basically saying there's suspicious activity. We think this was not sent by you. Basically, I, I, it's a frivolous 
reply, I have some clients that only pay for one round of disputes. So is there a way to get the investigation to continue? Interesting. Um, yeah, and, and my comment to that would be, you know, I, I do see the frivolous response and I, you know, and experience, and I always call them my problem child because it seems like it comes from them more than anybody. Um, but I don't know how to, if they're only paying for one round, because normally what I tell, what I do is we just do another round of dispute. You know, we just send it again and say, you know, this is not frivolous. This is I am who I say I am. You know, type of a a letter, but it does require a second round. Well, well, okay. So, in other words, is there a way to 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 present this to score whenever we do get a frivolous response, and and score can immediately send out documentation to to have the investigation continue? Yeah. Are you? Basically, all you would need to um, really do is, if that occurs, if it's before the customer's um, cycle is due, before the 35 days are due, if you want to hold off and wait the 35 days, and we can do that. If you want to do it beforehand, all you have to do is notify us, and like I mentioned, be very specific about what you want. Let us know that the customer received the frivolous response, that you want um, a new set of letters sent out for that specific credit bureau and you want the documentation sent out again and we'll proceed to do the the next step and send out the letters with the new documentation and um, move forward and see what happens with the next round okay so basically just just send an internal message to support exactly yes and I'll receive it and be as detailed as possible if it's before the cycle is done before the round of disputes is done just make sure you let me know because um, we, we usually don't do it before the, the cycle is done, but if it's something that you want done before the dispute cycle is complete, then we can do that procedure for you. But it would always have to be as detailed and, and you know, be real specific about what you want done. Right, and I also had one from TransUnion where they said that you know only one document was provided and they needed additional documents, but they were uploaded in there. So I guess any specifics like that just just notify you. And then how do we know once those documents are sent? We'll notify you, either it being with the notice of account update, letting you know that um, that the round was sent out. You'll receive that via email, that notice um, of account update. It's basically a document. You probably have seen it already, letting you know that that round was sent out for that customer. And okay. if it's something specific, for example, what you're discussing now, then the processor will usually just leave a note saying, you know, as, as requested, your round was sent out. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, because I know with TransUnion, there's a there's a phone number, and I've had a client, to, a couple clients, call the number. They go through a verification process, and then they just restart the investigation over the phone. You know, it's just calling in. When TransUnion kicks it back as frivolous. Okay. Right, and, and I don't that... know that I suggest that they do the calling in, because that, and I, and I could be wrong, but I. You know, when you do a a dispute over the phone or when you do a dispute by email, that doesn't kick in your 30-day response time. You know, it, it messes things up. So I always tell them we want to do it through the snail mail way of doing it. Um, you know, but of course, clients, if they see a phone number, they're going to call it. You know, they're going to do it anyway. But I know that I have often seen 
um, I don't know that it's TransUnion, but I've often seen the response that they only received one one um, verification document. And I think it's, again, I think it's just their stall tactic because I know everybody that sends in um, documentation that always gets sent all, th you know, three pieces of it. It's just their way of stalling. Okay, so in the future, I'll just upload the document that, that they send, and then I'll just put it in the notes and then just submit it to support. Exactly, yes. That would be the, the best way to, to move forward with that. Okay. Okay. Now, Irene, I think we have a couple of more people um, that have a couple of questions. Can you see who else has their hand raised so we can um, answer some more questions? Yes, Debbie is back, so I'm going to mute Debbie. Okay. Okay, Debbie, can you hear us? Hmm. Where are, are you, there? Debbie? <laughs> no? Okay, so we are going to mute now Tancra. Okay. Okay, I'm muted. Um, my question is just, um, okay, so we're, we're removing trade lines, but in order for them to build credit up, do we have um, a suggestion for adding trade lines to increase um, the utilization ratio and get it lower? Right. Um, there are different, different um, things that we suggest. Um, I know that um, Ox Publishing and Hutton Chase. Um, I'm sorry, who is that? Ox Publishing and Hutton Chase. Um, they report to only one bureau. They're not going to report to all three, and but they do. They will do add a trade line. You know, if you go on the website. And then the other thing that I suggest doing is doing the secured credit card. Um, you know, there are some I different have clients. I have clients doing the secured credit cards, but you know, with a secured credit card, they're using their own money, so it's so it's like three hundred dollars. So I was wondering if right. there was a jewelry store that would give them like a five thousand dollar instant limit, and they can go on and spend two hundred dollars or so. Right, and and I on the Scores website, I think there are some. Some other options on there. I haven't been on recently and and looked at it, but there was a there was a place where there were different um, options of of places to use. But I was contacted the other day, and I haven't done my research on it yet. By a, it was like a jewelry store account that said they reported to all three bureaus. Um, if you want to send me an email. So that I have your email address, and I will do my research on this other company, and you know, give you the name of it, and see if it's something that you want to do. Um, but I, I really wanted to do a little bit of research on it. Okay, and are you I, are you in the portal to where I can email you, or do I need to get your email? Um, my, I can give you my email. It's Kelly K E L L Y at Crow for you. It's C R O W, the number four, letter U dot com. Is it okay if we put it in the chat box, Kelly? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. okay. 
Okay, so Ops Publishing and then Hutton Chase, but you said they only report to one bureau, right? Exactly. Okay. And are both of them different bureaus? Say that again. Are both of them, do both of them report to different bureaus? Is one like Experian and the other one Equifax? Or? No, I, th I think they're both Equifax. Okay. All right. That's, I think that's all I had that I could, that I could think okay. of. Okay, thanks, Tan. Um, Ariana, do we have anyone else that has any other questions? Yes, we have Robert Lorenzo. And oh, Bob. Bob. Yeah, okay. Bob. Okay, I'll mute it. Bob? Hello? Are you there? like his and let me unmute um, Bob Harrington. Okay. Maybe not. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting how this is happening. Hello. Bob Harrington. Hello. Hi, Bob. Hi. Are you here? We can hear Nelly. you. Oh, okay, good. Hey, you know, I've been getting, a, since the mortgage qualifying rule uh, passed, uh, a lot of times banks tell me, like, you, you had that slide that showed real estate, it has zero balance, but it was showing a $496 monthly payment, and they're having me uh, get that uh, deleted, the payment deleted, so because uh, they say it's affecting the debt-to-income ratio. Right. I have, I have seen that recently, too, and that is something that we would, that, and I, I must have missed it when I was looking at that credit report that I would have score dispute is if it is something that is showing a zero balance because it went, you know, they refinanced it or however it happened, but that was a closed, a closed real estate account, it does need to show that there is no payment on it any longer. But it's really frustrating. You know, you would think that, that they would be able to use their common sense that says that, you know, the account is no longer open, there hasn't been any activity on it, there is no payment, but it has to be removed from the credit report. Are you there? Hmm. Can you hear me? Well, I think I can hear you now. Um, I got. I just got a quick question concerning that. So, if they have a foreclosure on there and it does say a zero balance, are you saying we still need to remove that foreclosure? Does that not mess up the payment history for when they did pay on time? Oh um, no! What I was talking about is when um, it's something like that and it's still showing a payment amount of like in the, the example of the slide that we showed, he, Bob noticed that it showed a $496 payment. Well, that payment obviously isn't still being made if, it's in a, if it, the account's closed and it hasn't had any activity on it since 2012 or whatever. Um, the mortgage company is asking that the payment be removed so that it doesn't mess up the debt-to-income ratios to show that they don't owe that payment. Okay, and do mortgage companies qualify you if, um, like say for instance, if you have a, um, a foreclosure on there, like this lady of mine lost her job 
and she um, couldn't redeem her house. She lost her job, and then they called her back like three months later, so she got her job back. And But everything had already went through the process. Um, and it's showing that she has a zero balance, but would she be able to get another mortgage? It depends on the, you know, the, the mortgage companies have a length of time, you know, and, and I don't know if it's four years after a foreclosure or three years or five, you know, it depends on what type of loan she's trying to get. Um, mm -hmm. And the, I haven't been in the mortgage, in the mortgage world for over eight years now, and they change all the time, but you do, the loan officer can tell you, you know, okay, these are the guidelines and, and it has to be five years out of foreclosure before we can do anything. You know, I do know that they, they do have some definite guidelines on how long it is. I just, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. And I don't know that it doesn't vary all over the place. Okay. Okay? Thank you. Yeah. So I think, um, are we done with the questions and we need to, to wrap up or what's going I have, on? I have two more questions here um, that were written in the, in the chat box. Okay. Um, by, one was by Debbie and one was by Robert Lorenzo that they're having mic problems, so I'm going to read out the question. Okay. It says my, um, this is the one from Debbie. It says, my clients have received 1,099 forms stating yeah. the debt is forgiven. What does this mean to the client versus credit report? Since it is a debt forgiveness, should the bureaus remove it? Okay. Um. When they get a 10, it's a 1099, and when, and it's required by law. I think if it's over $600 that they forgive in debt, that the whoever is forgiving the debt send out the 1099. And so what that means to them is they're going. It's something they're going to have to claim on their taxes um, as income on their taxes. But when the 1099 is sent out, they at that point no longer owe the debt at all. It should show a zero balance. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to go off the credit report. It just should report as a zero balance on the credit report. Okay. And hopefully that answers the question. Okay. Now we have one more question by Robert. It says, why would you not coach the client about shopping for large ticket and may point him in the right direction? Large ticket. I, I don't quite understand the question. Me either. <laughs> Bob, you got us there. <laughs> so it might be the, that he, if he emails the question over um, or I can talk to him later, I, I don't understand exactly what he's asking. Sure. Rob, um, Robert, just whenever you get a chance, just send me the email. Um, you have my contact information. Just send it to me, and I'll forward it over to Kelly, or if I can answer it, I'll answer it, and um, we can answer that question for you. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, we um, made it an hour today. Yes, we did. So I guess we're good with the questions now. If you guys have any other questions, you can email it to me, and if it's something directed to Kelly, um, I'll direct it to her. Um, her email is in the chat box just in case you guys want um, to email her directly. Um, you may. Um, and that basically wraps up this week, this Thursday's um, webinar. Remember to tune in next week.
we're going to be going over um, the account and dispute verbiage that are found on the credit reports. That is going to be a great topic, so we hope to see you guys there. And um, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Kelly and Victoria, for being on this call today. And enjoy the rest of the week and the weekend. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone.